welcome to the classroom. Um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are doing our sort of wrap-up on the Harry yeah. Potter series. Uh, this is a little bit of a different take, but we're just going for a general overview uh, as well as talking about sort of our thoughts on things a little bit outside of the book as well. We won't right. touch on that too much, but we think it's kind of, we kind of need to talk about some of the things that get brought up. Yeah. Uh, not just like the author being kind of a sleaze bag. However, <laughs> also talking about a little bit of Cursed Child just because we've mentioned it before, but we're going to bring a little bit right. more of that into this. Oh, by the way, I'm Haley. That's Brett. Um, <laughs> that, this is fair. This <laughs> you, is true. You've been here for seven episodes. You should know this. However, I still feel the need to... to Make that note. Yeah, let's just drop that in. You just sprinkle in the fact that we, in fact, do have names, that we will, <laughs> in fact, be perceived this lovely evening, morning, when you're hearing the... Yeah. Um, anyhow, so I guess we'll go ahead and we can kick off straight into just our opinions on... Actually, let's go ahead and start with ranking. Yeah, sure. Because we talk ranking. about a lot... Are we talk about our ranking a lot throughout the, throughout the stint of reading Harry Potter. And, of course, my original ranking of the series before we did this reread for the podcast um, was Prisoner of Azkaban at the top, um, Order of the Phoenix, Sorcerer's Stone, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hallows, Goblet of Fire, and then Chamber of Secrets bringing up the rear. My original listing was uh, at the top, Half-Blood Prince, Goblet of Fire, Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, Deathly Hallows, Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, and Order of the Phoenix. And okay, so um, of course everybody I think should know at this point the reason I loved Prisoner of Azkaban so much is because I absolutely adore Remus Lupin, um, love of my life. I currently taking applications for men who are vaguely like Remus Lupin <laughs> or Neville Longbottom, um, but we'll touch on that. Not really. We will touch on my my perfect man. However, <laughs> we will touch on Neville later too, but um. So Prisoner of Azkaban has always been my favorite. When somebody has asked me what my favorite Harry Potter book is, for as long as I can remember, I have always just said Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, however, in a turn of events, Half-Blood Prince is my top. Um, oh my gosh, I forgot how good that book it's, was. It's a really good book. It's, I mean, well, I'll, 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 we're gonna, I was going to save this, but Half-Blood Prince is also still my, my, my right. favorite on the list. But it's... It's a lot better than, like, we sort of, even me who already, like, thought it was like, oh, yeah, I, I really liked it. It was my favorite. And, like, I forgot that it was legitimately, like, fun. I, I had a good yeah, time in it. it has so much, like, good humor. The characters are, like, themselves. It I, sets up so much for the next book. Whether we, it doing fully, it subtly. Yes, well, doing it subtly. Whether the next book, like, actually, you know, like did what it should have with it is up for debate. But right. I think it's set up so much. Right. And then, of course, then I, I put Prisoner of Azkaban as number two, which you did as well. Yes, I also had Prisoner of Azkaban as number two. <laughs> because I, I think, and we've said this so many times, I think Prisoner of Azkaban is the the Harry Potter book that you think of when you think of Harry Potter. The time travel, the, mm -hmm. we get we get so many cool like magic things that happen there. Like the anime guy that come in, the Patronus. Oh, the Patronus! You just you just get serious back as a character. So um, much Quidditch. Yeah, it's it's it really is uh, like you said. It's it, when you think of Harry Potter, most of the things that come from it are that like Buckbeak in general. I feel like a lot of people remember right. Buckbeak. Hagrid being a teacher, not just the groundskeeper. Mm -hmm. Divination. I also believe that one meme came from it. It was like why why when there's trouble, it's always you three. I believe that was from Prisoner of Azkaban. I think so. Yeah, I it was from the was, movie version. Yeah, but. 
Um, and then next I have Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix is still it's still on my top list just because I I really like the book. I am a personal fan. Um, I, I'm here for Angsty Harry. Um, also, yet again, I just absolutely love Sirius Black. <laughs> and we get a lot of Sirius in that book, too. Sadly, the, the end of Sirius. But, um, and so in your number three slot. My number three slot was Goblet of Fire. Oy. Um, <laughs> I, I like Goblet of Fire. I, it was number two. It's been knocked down to number three. Um, listen, my only explanation. I know it's not everybody's favorite. I'm a sucker for a tournament arc. <laughs> it's it's the best part. Plus, we got Cedric Diggory. What's not to like? The only valid Hufflepuff. Exactly. Well, and him and Tonks, but but still, he's the only one that like. <laughs> I, I do love Cedric. Um, Goblet of Fire is next to the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen. There's the, we both have one on the bottom. And right. It's, it's really just competing at that point. Right. Um, next up, I have actually, in both of us have. Deathly Hallows at number four. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is a good middle ground. Yeah. Um, it's not bad. I didn't hate it. It's a very, it's it's weird to say because it's a, it's a huge, like, kind of departure from, like, I don't want to say, like, tone, but, like, it feels different from the rest of the books just because plot-wise it's a lot. <laughs> it's a year-long camping trip. Yeah, it's a year-long, like, road trip of these guys just sort of chumming out, hashing out some fights, destroying evil uh, phylacteries. It's a good time. <laughs> um, but it, it is, a, like, it's, I don't want to say it's like a palate cleanser, but like you said, it's perfect middle ground for the right. series. And I think, well, and we get to see so many character arcs wrapped up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we get we get Narcissa Malfoy and, and Draco both. Um, and then, of course, we get Neville's Banff moment there where he <laughs> steps right in he's like listen here i've been getting tortured all year long but let me tell you what kill the snake and you're like yes um and then actually we both have the same number five which is sorcerer's stone um it's it's a good start for the series yeah it's definitely meant for a younger audience obviously but it just doesn't it doesn't hold to a reread I don't yeah think. i mean it is it's okay it's nothing it's, it's a good start of a series yeah i mean it's fine you have to start with something and you're not going to start with the best book that would kind of suck i right. honestly if you were your best book in the first one well and and i think it all things considered is a really amazing job of developing the like the characters aren't developed the world is which makes sense in this first book mm-hmm. but it just kind of i don't know like i said it just doesn't make for a good reread once yeah. you've already been thrown into this world a lot of fantasy series have sort of the same thing it's just like right. when you have so much you need to establish your characters kind of suffer because you're like oh i gotta talk about uh the the magic owls and right. the, the bajubies or whatever right, right, right. Like, yeah <laughs> i don't know why i couldn't think of anything else from like, harry potter and, well because we immediately get the train and the castle and the castle is such a viable character too mm-hmm. Um, so I understand our mm-hmm. characters suffer a little. I think the only character we really get developed in the in the first book is Hermione. Mm-hmm. I think I think J.K. tried to counteract that because I, I will say while thinking about this, she did set up the four houses, and I think that that was her way of going. I know I can't characterize everybody. If I give them, if I put them all into four categories, surely that'll make it a little bit easier for people to understand what they're they want. smart, they're loyal, they're bad, or they're good. There's no in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah. And then my my number number six is Goblet, and yours is Order. 
which is funny. I'm looking at this just like in our little document, and I realized that all of our, our order is the exact same with the exception of Order of the Phoenix and Goblet are of Fire. Really? Yeah, no. All of them are the same except for those two are flipped because I have Order at three and Goblet at, at six, and then you have it the other way around. I, listen, I mean, maybe this is, this is like a fun time to talk about this. Um uh, I've mentioned before, I kind of am just scarred by Order of the Phoenix because it was the longest book. And when I was reading it, I like started and then stopped because I had binged the other ones. So it still has a tainted part in my mind. And I try to keep that as far away from as right. I can. But it still feels a little bit stagnant, uh, stagnated sometimes. And it's just, I I just couldn't get into it as much. I don't Which know. Which is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I, I always praise Order because that's where we get a lot of character development for the side characters. We... Neville gets a personality, <laughs> Luna, uh, we, get, we get to meet Luna, and we kind of get this set up for the prophecy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand why it's that low. I don't, I'm not a Goblet of Fire fan. I, in fact, do not like a tournament trope. Yeah, I mean, um, I yeah. like Quidditch. I would much rather have a good Quidditch match, and I think that's another reason I'm, I'm a fan of <laughs> Half-Blood Prince, because we get, like, <laughs> Captain Harry, who's just like, for the love of God. Yeah, I will say those were the parts that I kind of skimmed over, those Quidditch right. matches. And I will, I will give it to Goblet of Fire. It does not have much literary value. It's no. mainly just plot. It's it, yeah. It's it's tournament arc and Cedric Diggory getting yeah. got. But like I can do that. Like I watch tournament arcs all day. <laughs> and of course, um, if you haven't guessed it from listening through this podcast, um, the last one in both of our rankings is in fact Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. We I have did- an entire podcast on why it's the bottom. Uh, right. So like, just go back um, a bunch of episodes and listen <laughs> to the Chamber of Secrets episode, and you will remember why. In fact, we really kind of hated it. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's it's a rough book. I, I uh, there's I there's a lot of nostalgia for this series, and I'm sure that there's a lot of nostalgia for this book. But it just most of what it sets up is either sort of like immediately resolved. Yeah, either immediately or resolved. Never. Yeah, it's it's rough, and I also it it's one of the things that sort of starts perpetuating these sort of like slither and bad. Like the whole series does this, but this mm-hmm. is really the starting point where they like. Make it known. And like, right. And, and yet again, this just doesn't stand the, the like, reread test. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, I mean, once you know what's happening, once you've already read it once and you go back to reread it, it just, it you're like, oh, this, she beats you over the head with, with what the books are supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, with the things that you should infer to do, she's beating you over the head with it. And yet again, it, it's probably fine for the for the child audience, but she does a really good job in all the other books that stand up to the reread test. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the only one that might not is Sorcerers, but it still stands up to the reread test. I, it's a little bit, yeah. It, it's keeping in mind that it is for kids and it is right. the first of the series. It stands well, up. Sorcerer stands the the reread test because you're thrown back into the castle as a character, as opposed mm-hmm. to. The characters themselves. Whereas Chamber of Secrets is just like, we don't have any development of the castle. There is no development of the characters. It's just flat. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess we get, we get a little bit on the founders, but I don't think those are the characters she should have focused on. But that is <laughs> a different rant. So, yeah. That, that's our, our <laughs> complete ranking. Um, and I guess we should just go with overall opinions of of the books of the series. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so... 
I'm, will say. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. This threw me right back into my gross Harry Potter phase from like <laughs> middle school. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll say I still like the series. This has Absolutely. not changed my opinion on that. I will say it has highlighted the high the highs of the series and the lows of the series. Mm-hmm. There is some stuff that is like we kind of just talked about stuff and stuff that is done really well. And some other mm-hmm. things that are just like kind of gross. It's right. I don't think my opinion has changed. I don't think my opinion has like lowered, like raised or lowered for Harry Potter in general. I think that it has stayed stagnated really. I, but just right. for like, it is, it has been fully shaken. As if like, anything, this series has made, this reread specifically has altered my opinion of, jk rowling mm-hmm. yeah um it's, i think this the series much like like the show friends analyzed under a modern light you're like ooh. Hmm. um but the difference is of course i think between this and and like a tv show like friends is this is meant for not a younger audience also i think the fan base has made the difference so many people project themselves into this world found themselves in this world it's like no matter how gross J.K. Rowling is, like the she might have created this, but it's you know. Mm-hmm. I think that the fan base has just opted to ostracize J.K. Rowling and be like, "We're going to mock you for your stupid characters." Cho Chang, haha, and she's a Ravenclaw. Really, mm-hmm. really, J.K. Rowling. Um, so kudos to the fan base for that one. I yeah. think it's yeah, like like we said, it's it's one of those things that when when like looked under a microscope and you're like oh that's uh kind of kind of gross there and there is there are some genuine problems but the story and plot still still are good and they still Mm -hmm. like bring up a lot of nostalgia and and it does it does also bring up a segment which we will talk on later of sort of uh not only just screw jk but also like the the sort of separation between the the art itself and the author yeah and I think this is probably a good time, um, at, right off the heels of our ranking, um, to kind of talk about the, there's people often say there are three pivotal points in the series, mm-hmm. um, focusing on you know books three, four, and five. So POA, Goblet of Fire, and and Order of the Phoenix. Um, the three of them, all three serve like a different part of the turning points, um, because of course, and and the shift in tone rather. Um, so of course, Prisoner of Azkaban is. Kind of more light, not necessarily lighthearted, but we get an immediate resolution. This is the it's the last book that we get an immediate resolution to the problems presented. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Goblet is the first on page murders we get. So the scene is already shifted. <laughs> also, that's like where we start to see the move more towards like the the kids kind of being you know falling in love and being teenagers. Um, and then Order of the Phoenix, of course, is where we get depressed Harry. Mm-hmm. It is the, this kid has issues going on aside from his basically signed death certificate. Mm-hmm. I, I will say there is something, there is like a weird feeling of hope that's still in Order of the Phoenix that mm-hmm. is, I don't know. It's it's definitely, it's, it's one of the darker books and it does have a sort of like, uh-oh, things are going to get bad. We but learned there, that J.K. Rowling is just really into torture. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there is like a weave of hope through it, which mm-hmm. I think is, it is, I don't want to say it's like, a, it's a light, it's a light shining through the book, not through the series, but through the book, there is yeah. a light of hope that keeps this from being like super dark, like too dark for the series, uh, which well, I think I, is important in like mentioning it. Well, and I think that 
comes in the form of the DA. Mm-hmm. I think it, Dumbledore's army is kind of where that hope lies. And I think, no, I think you're right because you can even analyze that under the lights of the next two books, you mm-hmm. know, of the of books six and seven because it's it's specifically Neville and Luna who answer the call for protecting Hogwarts at the when Dumbledore dies. And it's it's the DA that keeps kids alive while they're at Hogwarts that year that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are off fighting, uh, you know, trying mm. to find the Horcruxes. So I do, I think, yeah, I agree. I think Order of the Phoenix presents this hope that isn't carried as heavily through the last two books, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. Still serves the purpose, so... Like, I'm a huge Order of the Phoenix fan, mainly because... <laughs> also, the color palette of the book and the movie, both. Mm-hmm. The, like, the, the the blues and grays and 10 out of 10. Yeah. Which I'll admit, Goblet of Fire is just straight. Everything's red. There's not a scene in that movie that is not either red or, like... Yellow. Or like, a, an orangish yellow, which is basically red. Um, I think the only... How do you... The, I think the only not thing that's not... I think the only thing that isn't red... In Goblet of Fire, the movie is the the Bobatong. I don't know how to pronounce the school. I uh, you could you could go for you could go like this I for ten minutes right. and I'd, I'd go uh huh uh huh uh huh like the John Mulaney bit where it's like Dick, the where he's mocking iced tea on yeah. <laughs> like when somebody eats too much chocolate cake, cake. <laughs> or bets it all on the ponies. Our um. <laughs> tangent, but I think that's the only thing that isn't a shade of red. Mm-hmm. But even that hue of blue is is a. F- like almost like a fire tone, yeah. you know. It's, it is when something is so hot that it is blue. Yeah. Well, and we see it in the the goblet itself too. Yeah, and I mean, that's the point. But it's not the prettiest movie to look at. Order mm-hmm. of the Phoenix is also. It's I don't want to say it's pretty, but it is. It is pleasing to look at. The score is also amazing, mm-hmm. um, and I think the same thing could be said for Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban is a beautiful movie. I. I haven't seen Prisoner of Azkaban in in a while. Right, but. it's got it, it, that's where we get the the amazing shots of over the castle. Mm, mm-hmm. Any of the holiday trips, Hogsmeade is just so pretty. I'm biased. I I really like Prisoner of Azkaban, mm-hmm. but I guess we can go ahead and move in here. Um, I guess we should go ahead and start with our characters. Yeah, that works. Um, so I think. We'll go ahead and start off with our seven. Um, we have seven characters that we want to talk about today. And it is specifically the two trios and Draco. Mm-hmm. So Harry, Ron, Hermione, Luna, Ginny, Neville, and Draco. Who do you, who would you like to start with? Uh, let me think. I want to do, let's start with just, let's just start with Harry. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I can speak for the both of us here mm-hmm. to say that Harry's a better character than we both remembered him being. Absolutely. He has a legitimate arc. He goes through legitimate emotions that when, like, a- after, like, a couple years have passed since you've read the series, you kind of just, like, compress into angsty Harry, happy Harry, nice Harry. Like, you, you all put them into these very firm <laughs> yeah. categories that you're like, oh, he doesn't change. He's just kind of there. The most interesting character is Neville, which is still true. But, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Harry actually has, like, emotions that he feels. And you can see the way that he is trying to deal with uh, grief throughout right. the different books. Especially, for instance, uh, Cedric is a big influence on the emotions that he's feeling in or, uh, Order of the Phoenix. And I, I think that it is just he, – he he does this well. He, like, he, he goes through the steps. Uh, right. 
throughout his journey, and I think it, I think it's well done. I really do. And and I think he kind of suffers from the the third person eyes that we're looking through. Mm-hmm. Of course, we get the entire series delivered through Harry, for, I mean, with the exception of a handful of chapters. Yeah, but. I think when most people think of Harry, they think of angsty Order of the Phoenix Harry where he doesn't communicate anything. It's just him observing things. And I think that's a big misconception. I mean, that's a misconception I held until, honestly, until reading Half-Blood Prince. Because we get to see the personality of Harry. We get to see that he's quippy, that he's, you know, he's funny. Um, We kind of get a grounds as to why he and Ron and Hermione are still friends, you know, kind of thing. Um. Harry has a more of a personality than I remembered him having. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I honestly, like, like, obviously Harry isn't my favorite character, but he's moved up in the, in he's the like, moved, ranking in my mind. He's moved up from, like, I, I don't even know. I think I would have put him, like, sixth or seventh or something like that, maybe lower. But like I'm going to say, out of the seven characters we have for us to analyze, he was at the bottom. He Yeah, he was definitely at the bottom. But now, now he's not. He's sitting at a solid... I don't think I want to say fifth, but I think fifth. Hot take. Maybe fourth. I like Harry better than both Ron and Hermione. Yeah, I do. Which is like little, little. I think hot take. We might have the. We might have an order like this. We didn't plan for this one, but like, do we want to quickly rank characters real quick of these of these seven? Um. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think I can predict both of our the bottom three, which is going to be Ron? in this order: Ron, Hermione, Harry. No, actually, no. mine was going to be Ron, Hermione, Luna. Luna, okay. I used to love Luna, and her character just fell flat in my memory. That's you know that is fair. I think I am still a little bit blinded uh, by sort of like the sort of fan perception of Luna. Oh my, I love Ivana Lynch who plays Luna in yeah. the movies. She does a phenomenal movie. Luna and and book Luna are completely different. They, yeah, it's it's because like movie Luna, one like top tier. It, yeah, no. it is. Luna does have actually. If we want to jump into Luna now, yeah, absolutely. Luna, okay. So she has, of course, we know her as the like you know the outcast girl. Like mm-hmm. you're you're more you know you're just as sane as yeah. I am. A little bit, a little bit aloof. Still, right. still smart in her own ways. Knows a lot about the world. Knows a lot about right. magic. And I will say, Deathly Hallows Luna makes up for a lot of of early book Luna. Yeah, but it's still I don't think enough. It just yeah no because it still falls flat. I feel I pity her. I, I feel really sorry for her because Harry. I mean, we see like so we see this through Harry's eyes. We see Harry never really, not necessarily, doesn't consider Luna a friend, but he, you know, Luna is not Ron, Hermione, yeah. Jenny. I mean, even Neville ranks higher in Harry's like friend list it, of things. It really is sort of like the person in your comp sci class. Right. Like, yeah, I talked to you. I got some answers from you one time. You're cool. You're never going to go to you're the coffee gonna, shop with them. You're not going to invite them to lunch or brunch or something right. like that. Like, Neville's the kid that, like, he's friends with your other friends. Yeah. So, like, he, he might show up to a party or something. But, like, Luna's the kid, like you said, you've had a bunch of classes with her, but you only ever speak to her in those mm-hmm. classes. Yeah. Um, and I just... Like I said, I feel sorry for her, yeah, but I do with not. The murals. Oh my gosh, yes, and it's true. That she, and you know, I think this like resonates with my like biggest fears that I'm people matter more to me than I matter to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Luna is the embodiment of that. Mm-hmm. Like the tr- the golden trio, and then and Neville and Jenny matters so much to Luna, mm-hmm. and, and obviously to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. She kind of she she matters, but she does not matter to the same extent. Yeah, she's the afterthought. She is not the the friend that they seek mm-hmm. out. And I, I really do feel for her that, like, these are, like, her five closest people, like, don't really 
Maybe I would say uh, like the the main trio like don't really uh, see her as that much. Right. Um, I would. I'm willing to say that specifically Jenny and also like Jenny and Neville both probably yeah. are very close to her when, especially in that seventh mm-hmm. year. But I will say. If I did walk into somebody's bedroom for the first time while being like trying to check on them, and I saw my face painted on a wall, I'd be a little, little I'd be a little creeped out. Like even if this is my best friend in the world, I'm still gonna be a little sus. Yeah, and not even like like there's the I I I'd understand this Harry Potter universe where you can just like make a talking painting by like casting a spell. She hand painted this. No enchantments like this. Right. Is, <laughs> or would be would an enchanted me that can talk would that be more creepy or less more yeah i think more because then they have like a dialogue because dude i have so many problems with the pictures it's kind of um, weird do because they, like are do they, they have always are, they, are they are they are, is it the soul of the person or is it like their own entity do they just happen to think See, do they think like the painter do they think like them do they well, transplant their souls into the pictures is this technically like a weird horrorcrux i was gonna say my first my very first thought was this is a big tangent um <laughs> my very first thought was that no, surely not. Surely it's not their soul. It's probably just an imitation because there's like a whole bunch of paintings, most likely, and there's like the but chocolate the frog things. Are connected. But yeah, I was gonna say, but one, the paintings are connected. And not two, all of them. I think just the certain portraits are connected. Yeah. But still. But there's a uh, uh, in like the first scene, and I think the movie, maybe even in the book, I can't remember at this point. Uh, it's like, oh, where's Dumbledore? He's not on the card. And it's like. Oh, he's uh he's he must be in his painting somewhere else. So it's the same guy right. that just bums around. Like, do you get a chocolate card and it doesn't have somebody on it? Like it, you just like it's wait? got the name and you're like, he's never gonna show up to this chocolate card. Do you get custody of him, card? like joint custody <laughs> with like the five other people with that same card? Oh my gosh, man, we're really cracking into the, the Harry Potter lore. Um, um but yeah. And yeah. So no, my my bottom tier, I think. Uh, so like I said, Ron, Hermione, mine's gonna be Luna. Then probably Draco, Harry, Jenny Neville. Okay. I think, honestly, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow. Mm. Okay, so I think mine is, you, you've changed my mind on the on placements a little bit. Okay. Um, Ron, Hermione, Luna, Harry, Draco, Jenny Neville. I think that was the same as mine. Was it the same? <laughs> yeah, okay. Was it the exact same? We're, yes, we're. we're... <laughs> Dang. Mm. Mob mindless, okay. Okay, I um, almost, I almost put Draco higher than Ginny, but I would have put him. I would have. He would have got a. Re- if he would have got a redemption if he arc, got, he. If he got a redemption arc, he would rival Neville. I don't know that he could rival Neville. I think I, he would rival. He'd. I absolutely Neville love Neville. would still Neville. win, but I think he would rival him. Um, I um, guess <laughs> which character are you going to tackle next? We've got um, Luna. We've talked Harry. We've talked a lot on Draco, so I think we can save him for. Near well, the yeah, end and we're going to talk about him here a little bit too. Yes, I would say let's let's go to. Let's go to Hermione because I feel like a lot of people, we, yeah, a lot of people might be surprised that Hermione's that low, and I right. think that's because once again the movies have changed a lot of people's perceptions. Right. Well, the fact that Hermione has absorbed Ron's personality in the movies, mm-hmm. but Hermione's such a great character, and I did not realize that until rereading the series. Yeah, it's she's she just, does so much, qu- not questionable. She does a lot of yeah questionable. She does, she, yeah, she does a lot of questionable things, and you can like be like, oh, well, it's supposed to be that she's changing. But it's also, like... You don't change to, like... For example, okay, I am totally okay with the idea of her flogging Ron with those birds. He mm-hmm. deserved it. But she turns and yells at Harry for yelling at Remus. Like, no, Harry had every ground to. Book two, Hermione, would have been, like, that's probably justified. She kept Rita Skeeter in a jar! Mm-hmm. And, like, it's, 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 it's also, like... 
you could call that character development. You could call that change in the character. But even so, like, that's the most she gets. Right. She's also, like, she's mainly involved for plot reasons. She's more of a plot device she than is a, a character. She is her own MacGuffin. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. Like, for instance, the entirety of um, Prisoner of Azkaban, one of our, like, it's up there for both of us. She is only there to use the time turner. Like, when she is present and all that, like, wrapping up stuff, it's really just, I've got a time turner. I won't talk about this. The only reason I have it was, be boy, oh, golly, I was stressed for classes. I wanted to make up for it. Like, it's it, it's strange, honestly. Right. And I agree. Um, I struggle with Hermione's kind of resistance to stuff. Mm-hmm. You literally were told at age 11 that you are a witch, and you're going to scoff at people who believe in divination. You're going to scoff at, like, yeah. at Luna and her, like, oddity of the world. Mm-hmm. Ma'am, you're... The magic! What? It's, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, once again, fan perception changes a lot of these things. Right, and Hermione is blatantly rude. Mm-hmm. She is rude to Luna the moment we meet her. She is just. She's rude to Fleur. Oh my gosh! Yes, there's a lot of places where Hermione's just mean. Mm-hmm. I just, and but yet again, it doesn't align with my fan perception of yeah. her. Yeah. So I think that, just pure book, I think that she is she is lower on that list for both right. of us. And I think what we should, the reasonable place to hop would be her counterpart, which yeah. also it would Ron. Yeah. Because Ron is another character that has been so affected by fan perception. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh my gosh, my perception of Ron is so much different after this reread than it was when we like before this. You know, I used to love Ron. Ron used to be literally like up there. Actually, I mean, he was above Neville. He was probably like my second favorite character behind Remus. Not anymore. He is bottom tier. (laughs) It's it's weird because like book one. He's kind of a little bit of a scumbag, a little bit, but not, not okay. I would say not a scumbag. He is, he is a bratty kid. He loves his friends. He's but a he, younger sibling. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, in book two, he gets better. Book three, he gets even better. He's doing, he's doing pretty good. Book he's three is probably a, the best Ron. Yeah, he's becoming even, a, even though he has that weird tough. Granted, I think. Book three is about the only one that I can excuse his anger at Hermione. If my friend's pet killed my pet, I would be distraught. Yeah, and not only that, but, like, he was like, hey, at first he was like, hey, please keep the cat away. He might have said it a little bit rude, but he's like, please keep the cat away, and he didn't. Now, it was for the best, because the cat was, I guess, recruited or something to do that. Anyway, um, but, like, I can excuse the anger there. Book four... He gets a little angry. Things are resolved, but he's still kind of being a little like. Book four is where we we start. We're like, yeah, we'll excuse his anger. But we don't stop excusing his gross behavior from here on out. Mm -hmm. Like his his anger to Harry in book four is justified. I I understand why he this is the kid who has always been, you know, the last one out. The the friend to the, you know, the the sidekick. He is. So his anger at Harry for putting himself in the limelight again is reasonable. You can you can get it, but the the extent that he takes it to, and is, then his anger at Hermione yeah, over then, the whole Victor Crumb thing. It's that is, that is the other thing. He gets he gets overly jealous and overly judgmental very quickly, and it kind of 
if I'm being honest, it kind of escalates until book seven. Until he leaves and comes back in book seven. Um, also, after I've made this perception that Ron Weasley punched holes in his drywall, he's lost. I, no, there's no coming mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron would have joined a social frat. Oh. <laughs> I think, and and we'll talk more on this later, I think that Ron got a lot better uh, in book seven. But I really think the it brought him back to where he was in like book two, maybe? Yeah, he was not He was not maybe, a good character. He was not the perfect character. No. He was like book three pre-Scabber's death. Yeah. Like, it, he was just, he was a little bit better. Like, the, the most that they really do uh, for him is, he was, like... He was, she needs to sort out her priorities, Ron. Yeah. Like, after he came back in Deathly Hallows, he was not the perfect... He was probably book one, Ron, where he was just trying to be funny, mm-hmm. trying to, to people please, and yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's where the movies did him a lot better, too. Like, it's weird. The movies didn't do a lot great, but they actually did, now that I'm thinking about it, a, a fair bit for the characters. Yeah. He, they altered, I don't know, they made Ron more doofy mm-hmm. than he is. They they took away some of his character, which in turn made him feel more relatable. Yeah, but gave it to Hermione, which aided in her superiority over him. Yeah. And I think a reasonable character to move to after this will be Jenny. Yeah. Um, I adore Jenny Weasley. She's mm-hmm. one of, she still remains as one of my favorite characters. The movies did her wrong. Very wrong. The movies took away her... Entire character. Yeah, most of it. They made her like... A love interest. Yeah, that they made it. her an, a love interest and then slightly angry. Right. I don't... I just... The, the one scene I always think of with Jenny is in her and Harry's like two weeks of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, them sitting in the common room and her just being like, oh yeah, Harry has the tattoo. Um, I've seen it, you know. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, don't worry, Ron. I told them. Because we just get that she is she's funny. She can she can give as much crap as she's willing to take, you know. You reminded just, me of the scene that's like, I knew he wasn't, I knew he didn't have that I tattoo. I knew he didn't have that tattoo. I knew you were lying about that. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I just, I love Jenny's character. Jenny was the, um, the character in my mind that was like, what every girl that wasn't like other girls aspired to be. The tomboy who was good at sports, could put, you know, could fight up with her brothers. Um, also, best not cross her because she will just end you. Um, but at the same time, she's still very in touch with her femininity. And I just, I really love Jenny. She's, oh, she's one of my favorite characters. I really can't add much to that. Yeah, you kind of just summed it up for her. <laughs> I just really yanked the words. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You took my MVP a couple weeks ago, so this is... Yeah, yeah, there we it. go. That's fair. Um, and I think another thing with Jenny's character is she, like I said, she's, she's funny. And we see her, I don't know, kind of shut down ron a couple of times mm-hmm. when ron gets gross jenny's like uh-uh no 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 yeah sit down and you're like yes the, do it. the one like thing about jenny that i can really say is she was a little bit gross to flirt but that kind of goes away right um and she also had um she didn't have much when she was first introduced but she was also like a year below harry and like we right. said the first book was not really focusing on characters. It was focusing on characterization. Or, sorry, it was talking about world building, rather. Right. Well, and I think another thing, too, I think another thing that I really love about Jenny is the fact that when Harry breaks up with her at Dumbledore's funeral, she doesn't get upset. She She's like, I knew you were going to do that. Because you have to save the world, don't you? Yeah. It's very, it's very 
kudos to her character. Mm-hmm. I guess next mm-hmm. we can go Draco. Yeah, let's do Draco next. Um, I think we covered everybody. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We, we, got, do, we got two left, and mm-hmm. we'll save the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Draco, um, the character that should have gotten a redemption. We've okay. said that enough. Um, well, we can say it one more time. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but uh, he has he was like a prick at the very beginning and his prickness like i would say it kind of grew this very similar to ron almost is he got super pricky until like book three and then it kind of mellowed out for a bit and then it slowly started like dropping like he he Ah. he became i want to i don't want to say it was dropping but it definitely got to the point where it was like Hold on. There's there's something more to up. his motivation. Yes, he's realizing that he doesn't have to be who his parents are. He doesn't have to follow these things. And I still, I still have my little like head cannon thoughts that um that for instance in the polyjuice scene uh very early on in the series uh where Harry and Ron are disguised as Krabby and Goyle, like Draco says some really gross stuff. I believe it's in uh Chamber. It's mm-hmm. like. Oh, I wish I was doing that to those students. Ha! Huh, they should have died. Like he's going some really gross, grosser than he had been in that series at that point. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that this is how he acts in front of, uh, yeah, in front of people, especially Crabbe and Gold, to keep up appearances. He's and he very, doesn't actually mean what he says. Yeah, he's a very guarded character. He's he's very guarded, and this could be because I like the I I like the character, and this is just me sort of defending him. But I I. I do think that this is sort of a persona that he built so much that he was trying to make himself believe. Oh my gosh, I agree. And I think we see that too in, I don't know, because he, I agree that he keeps his very douchey persona until probably Goblet of Fire, until Voldemort's return. (laughs) Because obviously, like some of his stuff is just being a schoolyard bully, like the Potter Stinks badges and like (laughs) stuff like that. Like those are like the goofy things that like, Yes, it sucks that it's happening. Like, if you're the kid getting bullied, you're like, man, this sucks. However, if you're anybody else on the outside, you're like, that was, that's pretty good. <laughs> I really forgot about the Potter sucks badges. It's so good. It's 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 an insane bullying, but like. Some quality magic. Like, yeah. who knows, man? <laughs> if somebody rolled up to your school with badges that said your name stick, and it's like, they're like the full on like enamel pins. Like he spent some money on these. Like he I have to in, give him some kudos at least. He put in time and effort. He yeah. took bullying to a. He extreme. wasn't even selling them. He was giving them away. Right. Like, can you imagine you're on the like homecoming court and they're like, "Aha, vote for this person because this person sucks." It's but they're lamin. They're like really high the grade full buttons. Laminated. Like he's handing out pamphlets. <laughs> He spent time. He has a whole PowerPoint. It's, it, he gives a PowerPoint presentation at lunch as to why you suck. Yeah, which is which. another reason that he goes so – he's so over the top for mm-hmm. a character that, as we see, doesn't actually, like, want to be doing these things. It right. feels like a persona. <laughs> Nobody's making badges to bully someone. <laughs> well, and I think – another thing with Draco is my heart just breaks for the boy mm-hmm. in Half-Blood. We see him – I mean, really, it starts in, in – Order of the Phoenix. He's a little crabby in Order of the Phoenix because, of course, he's like one of Umbridge's like bros. TM'd. No, no, his friend's name is Crabby. No, he's one of Umbridge's bros. <laughs> what did I say? You said he's a little crabby. I was making a joke. Oh, oh okay. You're trying to be clever. <laughs> sorry, You're trying to be clever, and I missed it. I'm sorry, but he's one of he's you know he's still a little gross, but he you know he's still tacking around. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but in Half-Blood Prince, we see his personality take a 180. He doesn't care about the pers- persona anymore. He just wants to make sure that his family's okay. And that's so heartbreaking. The 16-year-old kid is got the weight of his family's survival on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And we'll touch more on Draco when we get into actually the next category here. Um, but we still have one character mm-hmm. we haven't talked about yet. Filch. So, <laughs> uh, no, it's Neville. It's, it's Neville. Neville. Absolutely, it's Neville. Um, we're going to talk about Neville so many times this episode because <laughs> we're both in love with Neville. Let's yeah, determine. we got we to gotta, we gotta save some more talk on Neville for later, but right. we will touch mostly on I, him right I, now. I think I want to touch more on like younger Neville, like Neville mm-hmm. book one through four right now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, because we see Neville just be the goofy sidekick. He is the kid that falls down. He is the kid who... He is the comic relief <laughs> without being. There is Fred and George's kind of comic relief, and then there's Neville's kind of comic mm-hmm. relief. Neville's comic relief is at the expense of him. I think a, a lot of people forget that Neville gets to a fist fight with Draco Malfoy in first year. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. You're like, okay, boy, let's go. Um, and I just, I don't know. And his, his grandma isn't abusive, but she toes a line. Yeah. She's emotionally abusive to him she's uh, yeah she man, she manipulates him a fair bit um especially like it which is rough considering you know his parents went insane because they were right. tortured for i don't know how i think they said a couple days with that right. spell if i'm remembering correctly which is rough right um and it was i forget that it was after voldemort's fall yeah bellatrix tortures them after Voldemort fell, which is like it's she like, tortures him for retaliation. It's it's oh. it's extremely rough. The what happens to his parents and his home situation, and it's not really like he is almost constantly harassed throughout at the, uh, at the very least books one through four through students to the fact that right. his biggest the bogger that shows up that shows his biggest possible fear though the the thing that scares him the most. It's his own potions teacher. Oh like, my I know that gosh. That's, it is played off as a joke, but like he is legitimately scared of this right. like man that is just completely laying into him constantly. Not only that, but in the fourth book, the person like the one of the people that helped torture his parents is his teacher. Is like, hey, uh, you want to you want to see me do the cool spell on this little spider bloke? Like, you hey, you want to see me do it again? Yeah, and it's and there's so much emotional trauma that Neville goes through that is just never addressed, and yet again he still he still turns into this amazing character and that will really will touch on like Order of the Phoenix to Deathly Hallows Neville because those two characters can really be like Neville can be split into two characters, mm-hmm. but we see him early Neville is also just this just sweetheart. We see him invite Ginny to the to the Yule Ball because <laughs> okay, I know she'll want to go with me as a friend. Let's go, you know. And I just I love Neville, but I guess we'll go ahead and we'll kind of move a little bit into the characters who deserved better, okay. which is which is where obviously Draco falls into this category. Yes. Draco deserves so much better than than the hand he was dealt. The one time he was offered help, the one time he was offered hope. The one time he was offered a one-way ticket to the good side, it was only done as a stalling tactic. It, it, it was, he is off, he is, I don't know, I, how do you even get this? Let me, let me redo this. 
he is given his one chance, and it is taken away by Snape. And even then, it wasn't even a chance. It was just Vol- uh, It was just Dumbledore trying to manipulate. It wasn't genuine. This boy was given the worst hand. And <sighs> it's it's horrible. And it's really seemed like in that book they were trying to set up for a redemption. And instead, they give it to the least deserving character of a re- one of the least rese- uh, deserving characters, uh, Snape. And it's Draco deserved so much better. It's he deserved his redemption arc. He deserved the redemption J.K. Rowling gave Snape. The boy deserved a chance. He was never given one. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we'll, we'll crap on Dumbledore later because... Ugh. But... I just I feel so bad. This poor kid had the world on his shoulders at 16 years old. And what other option did he have but follow the dark side? Because if he followed the dark side, that meant his parents got to live. And we see his heartbreak at the fact that he didn't even know that that Frenier Greyback was going to be, you know, be there and and destroy his, you know, try to eat his friends, question mark? Yeah. But but anyhow, we see Draco's just heartbreak at that, you know? Man, man, he deserved better. Um, Next up is his mother. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Who's another character I think that deserved better. Um, she just wanted the world for her kid. Mm-hmm. I don't have as much sympathy for her as I do for Draco. Not as much because she, she she always chose had it. yeah she always had the conscious choice to like either leave or just in general. Right, and I mean, and we see her sister. Um, we see her two sisters. Of course, Bellatrix turns to the dark side full force, and then her sister Andromeda. It, yeah. it obviously goes to the good side. She marries a Muggle-born man you know, works for the order, has a safe house for the order. And Narcissa just falls in this middle ground. Mm-hmm. She she never left her family, but she doesn't buy into this ideology as wholly. And really, she just, specifically the, the two books that we really get in touch mm-hmm. with her, she is just doing everything for Draco. Yeah. Just, man. The last character I have on the characters who deserve better is specifically Nymphadora Tonks. Mm-hmm. And Gosh, the short stick that she gets in this. Oh my gosh! I remember having so much character, and what she has is she's really cool in this book. Now she's sad. Now she's really she's sad, sad because her, her not boyfriend dead. won't. <laughs> she's she's good, sad, and dead. That's only three emotions. That's really what I got. But just only know three <laughs> things. Be sad, be happy, be dead. Eat hot chip and lie. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyhow, um, but I just, I I feel so bad for Tonks. And I know she doesn't do it on purpose. I mean, because obviously, actually, okay, let me rephrase this. I really hate J.K. Rowling for the way she, she uses Tonks' character. Mm-hmm. Tonks... In, in book five, when we meet her, is amazing. She is funny. She is the life of the party. She is the light in the dark. You know, she is just mm-hmm. like a good character. And then when we see her in Half-Blood Prince, she's depressed. Except she's depressed. You know, J.K. Rowling writes it off. She's depressed because this dude doesn't like her back. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Uh... Especially because it wasn't like she was like, oh, I'm bummed out. She was 
legitimately depressed. You took away her personality. You, you took away her personality traits. It sounded like she, like JK was trying to do something with it. Right. Like she was trying to make some sort of statement, but like it she just. She stripped her, she literally stripped Tonks of her identity because Remus didn't love her. Yeah, and it wasn't even it wasn't even love. It was just that he might not like her. Right, and I feel so. And like I said, I know obviously talking to the character specifically, Tonks doesn't do it, but it feels like Remus's love for her is very forced. It's not a genuine love. It is a, well, I don't want to make you upset anymore. I guess I will be in love with you. Like you know, I mean, I think I think. It safe to say that Remus loved Tonks. I don't think he was in love with Tonks. Mm -hmm. And that's so, she deserves so much better. She deserved a character, you know, she deserved somebody that genuinely was in love with her. Um, and this is really what makes me mad about JK Rowling is we have this amazing independent strong woman who loses her entire, who loses her entire identity because of a man. Mm -hmm. And I just, disgusting yeah it's and then she dies before she can really meet her kid yeah what why why did she i understand the whole well you know to show that every war has its orphans uh, bs uh, um anyhow <laughs> and, and i think this is an unless you have a comment to make about tonks no go ahead this is an appropriate time to move to our our favorite section of this podcast now actually sorry I you do, do have, have one. Point. I do have something not on Tonks. Oh. I would like, we didn't discuss this. I would like to discuss one character that I think deserved a little bit better as well. I think that Lupin needed a better. Absolutely. Yes. I, I usually refrain from talking about Lupin more mm. than I usually do. So. Uh, yeah. So Lupin, I mean, we've talked about this in the last book. He is shown a lot more cowardly uh, and sort of. I, I don't want to say out of character, but his character is done a little bit dirty in the final thing. Yeah. He's shown as running away from his kid, from his wife. And, like, I think that if you analyze that he's been running from a lot of things. And that's sort right. of the thing that he's building to fix. But even in his final moments, you think that like, if this is something she wants to do, she'll be like, okay, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do what I can to, like, not be cowardly and, like, face things head on. But he really doesn't do that. No, because he runs to the war. He runs to the war. Despite having a newborn at home. Yeah, and even if you want to say, like, oh, that's a brave thing to do. It's not. It was it's, an escape. And a character even, like that, he it was even, escape. He even admits it. He u he uses the resurrection stone and he goes, I was I I was running away. Uh, I sacrificed myself on purpose. And it's like, you no matter if you're trying to do it for a good cause, if you're sacrificing yourself when you know you have a newborn and a wife at home, it's something that... It doesn't feel like that character would do, no matter how far you want to run with it. I think right. he deserved a fate of, like, if he was going to try to do that, someone to be there and, like, call him out for his cowardice. So he has a sort of, like, like aha moment where right. he goes, shoot, you're right. I have to stop this. And then he either, either still dies but doesn't want to. And it's like, okay, he has a little bit of redemption there. Or he survives and takes care of the kid on his own. Right. And I think... Poor Lupin has also drawn a, a very short stick. Mm -hmm. Loses all of his best friends. Is, you know, cursed with this lycanthropy. And, oh my gosh, another reason I hate Dumbledore. He throws Lupin 
into the the werewolf colony it's with just the weird, werewolf who turned him it's just a really weird move it's i don't want to i don't want to compare uh like it as like to like a relationship but it's sort of like if you know two people have had some really bad blood and you're like hey my house is getting fumigated do you want to just stay with like this dude for a while that i know you cannot stand like it's so it's such a weird thing to force him into that. Just put him in an inn. Give him a polyjuice potion. Right, and there's just so many. Oh, my gosh. Wolfsbane and polyjuice. That's all. I know it's a forbidden potion, but you guys used it, like, just earlier. Right, and, like, it's just, it just makes me so mad. And, of course, Lupin, who can't get a job because of his exposed lycanthropy. Yet again, Severus Snape being disgusting and being immature and being like, oh, well, did you know he was a werewolf and he's teaching your kids? Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, Snape, specifically. But now we have Lupin, who can't get a job, who's all of his friends are dead, who is in this marriage with this woman, most likely because he doesn't want to hurt her feelings. This is at least how I always perceive it. And he never gets a resolve. Mm -hmm. The only characters in this entire series that get resolves are the characters that I despise. Dumbledore gets a resolve. Snape gets a resolve. No other character gets this grandiose, not redemption for their bad, but like kind of the like band-aid over it. An easy way. To fix Lupin's, not fix, wrong quote, but to kind of excuse his lack of bravery, mm-hmm. his his running to war, would be when Harry speaks to him in the Resurrection Stone, is my is my wife okay? Is Tonks okay? Mm-hmm. And then Harry would be like, no. And then that's when Lupin would be like, well, Teddy will know what his parents died for. Boom! fixed it that's it's such a simple it's she could have done so much different for the character and i feel like we would have been remiss if we didn't talk about how how much of a better deal he could and we're not even saying like oh it's a shame that this happened we wish this character like survived we are saying that we wish this character was written differently we don't care about the suffering we just care about (laughs) we don't care about the suffering we care about the the plot yes exactly like and i understand why like i said i understand why jk rowling killed tonks and remus Mm mm-hmm but, like I said, it just feels like he never loves Tonks. Tonks mm-hmm. deserved better, and Lupin deserved to kind of, you know, to have the redemption that he did, you know, the proof that he did care for her outside mm-hmm. of just having a kid with her. But, and, well, I guess next we can go into our, our characters we kind of just want to rag on mm-hmm. because we already kind of started that. Yes. I think I think a good place to start with this would be for Snape. Absolutely, okay. Um... So, Snape, everyone's favorite character. Uh, but no, he's, he is, from the start, portrayed as a bad person. He's portrayed in everything as a bad person. The only time that it is, it is shown that he is not, like, bad is in, like, the first book and the seventh book. That's basically it. When it's like, oh, he was counterspelling to try to stop Harry from dying to Quirrell. That's, is like, okay. Like, if it, if it went first he and did then, like, bare minimum yeah he did bare minimum but like even then like i can see like where she was trying to set up as like maybe he's not as bad but then she just keeps making him bad and it feels like in the seventh book when she goes for this whole redemption she goes 
oh, I found these old notes. I remember that I was going to make him a good guy. Right. Uh, I kind of forgot about that. I'm sure I can rush that in there. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Um, she goes, okay, well, look, here, I'll sprinkle in. Maybe he'll get a redemption. And and then he's going to bully and torture his students for for six years mm-hmm. um, to the point that one of his students' biggest fears is him. Oh, and when he becomes headmaster after Dumbledore dies in book seven, he's literally going to encourage the torturing of the student body. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but makes a house clearly better than the others. Like, like Right, and we're not even going to acknowledge it. Systematically like, like, makes, uh, makes these Slytherins like, more important in the school. Right, like we're not even going to touch on the fact that he just continually goes, mm, uh, I understand that Hermione Granger answered this question, um, but because she answered it at too loud of a volume, 10 points from Gryffindor. And Draco Malfoy, you're looking at me like you understand what I said. So 10 points to Slytherin. Sir, That your bias is showing. I know Surely people- they must get a raise if they are the house right. that gets it, because that's the only reason that, like, <laughs> I don't know. Or, like, pride. Yeah. Um, and as much as I hate Dumbledore, like, at least his explicit bias isn't as obvious. Like, mm-hmm. obvious. So. I just really hate Snape. Um, also, the fact that you're like, hey, Harry, can you look me in the eye as I die? Because your eyes look like your mom's and I really wanted to bang your mom. It's so weird. It's so gross. And it's also, like, that's, I know that sounds like a little bit, like, crass. That's kind of exactly what he, it was never, we'll talk on this more. We talked plenty about it last time but i still want to touch on it he never liked lily he like was obsessed with he lily. was obsessed with lily to the point where i'm not sure he remembers lily like in as he as she actually was i think he remembers lily like this hyper like this, this goddess he had this caricature of what he he thought of her and his he hated he he loved her so much, but hated James, um, because it was like in his eyes, like taking this away. Not to mention a little bit of the bullying, but he was just sort of he didn't know how to feel about Harry, and sometimes he felt super like he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna protect Harry," and sometimes he was like, "I hate Harry. I'm gonna punish him in every single way right. I can." It really just he's so hot and cold. It's not even like the character feels hot and cold. It feels like he's different from book to book. Right, and okay, here's the thing. If he truly loved Lily, he would not have tortured her child mm-hmm. for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, if he really loved Lily, he would understand the fact that if Lily seen him doing this, she would have beat the crap out of him. Lily sitting in the afterlife is like, come on up here, Severus. Let me let me deal it to you. Because he did, in fact, torture her kid for six years. It's, it's also, I, I think it's it's also the fact that like it, you could you could make the argument that he is trying to be like he's like oh i want to make sure Voldemort likes me so i'm going to bully harry but like that would that would suffice by like making a bias because now it seems like it's over the top even as a double right. agent if it's like if you're like, Voldemort's if, not going to see you telling harry he's actually stupid every day yeah like if you especially are, if you're skilled at like Oculumacy, mm-hmm. sir. Like if you're spying on the U.S. and you're like, "Oh yes, I love hamburgers and football." Like it, that's kind of what he's doing. He's trying to make I himself hate. look as <laughs> as Death Eater as he can. He's like, like, if I, <laughs> much to your analogy, he's like, I hate communism, and and China and and minorities. 
I only I only like hamburger and football and capitalism and automobiles. (laughs) Henry Ford. (laughs) Um, God bless America. Like, but yeah, he just he goes over the top into this sort of bullying and past the point where it's like sort of a cover for the whole double agent thing. It's just him being a dude. It's just him being being a jerk. Right. And I mean, and I think we see that too in in the sequence we get in book five, book six, yeah, book five, where we see obviously the marauders bullying him. Um, the spell that the marauders use that we learn in the sixth book was created by Snape. So that means Snape used it on the marauders. Snape also canonically used it on people the do- the Death Eaters were torturing. I, there was no sympathy for Snape. He's literally a Nazi. Mm-hmm. The difference between him and Draco is that Draco didn't get a choice. Mm-hmm. Snape made the very conscious decision. And, and Draco seemed to not want to be a part of that life. Right. The Snape, only, was, Snape was originally in that life and said, oh, the well, only I didn't reason, know she was going to die. Oopsies. Right. Like, the only reason Snape was like, oh, Oh no, how can I be a wizarding Nazi when they are targeting the woman I'm obsessed with? And he goes, Dumbledore, I told Voldemort the secret, but now he's going to kill Lily. Save her? And Dumbledore went, maybe. I don't know if I'm feeling up to it. And then was like, but only if you become my double agent. And it just, ugh disgusting and i guess this is an appropriate place to talk about dumbledore (sighs) sir we gotta don't manipulate yeah do not manipulate anyone specifically minors that you have power over significant power over it's you're their headmaster not just headmaster and it's not only like he's he's trying to like get him into a specific major like sort of like push like oh haha like I used to think this, so I'm going to live vicariously through you. It is, I'm going to prepare you to be a child soldier and take down the, the wizarding Hitler. Uh, <laughs> like, do the right thing, son. Yeah, like, like it's it's You're going to die. He, he's, he's preparing him for this war that's, that's coming up where he has to fight Voldemort. And instead of, like, letting him into all this knowledge, he slowly and incrementally tells these things. Not to, like ease him into the waters because that would be kind of nice but it is he he drops these things on them bluntly and fastly but short enough that harry is still confused and doesn't know the full picture so you're giving the worst of both worlds to him about like letting him know this information yeah i just i hate dumbledore um also yet again i'm gonna hop back on that train the fact that the only time dumbledore ever offers this hand of hope to draco is to stall. Is to stall. Is to hold hold on long enough for Snape to show up. His plan is to die, and his plan is for to make Snape look good. To have Snape do it, so he just he just is like, uh, no, no, Draco, don't, don't, don't do that. No, don't kill me. No, we can protect you. If Dumbledore knew that that Draco had been tasked this with this. Why didn't he reach out sooner? It's, yeah. This, you... If he actually cared about anything other than... Minerma McGonagall, if she would have known of this, she would have immediately been like, Draco, listen, there's another way. This isn't it. Yeah, yeah, It's that's the other thing. God, I love her. 
<laughs> I, I was gonna say we can we can jump. A, I'm I'm gonna take a quick hop step back to Minerva deserved a lot better. Oh my she god, yes. And this is this is truly just she doesn't have too much character. So some of this goes to J.K., but a lot of it goes to just sort of like in story stuff. She probably should have been told about these things. The only reason I think she wasn't told was because plot. Yeah, one plot and two. If she knew her character would not have let like. Any, any of that. Slide. Oh my god! If she knew Dumbledore was manipulating she, Harry, nah, no, no, she no, no, would have no, been no. like, oh, "Sir, you're gonna. T- you mean to tell me that you're gonna let this boy mm-hmm. drop out she res- and chase the Horcruxes without giving him a guideline mm-hmm. as to what you? She tr- no, sir. She trusted a. Uh, she she trusted Dumbledore. She respected him. But if she like learned some of the stuff that was happening, she would have killed pro- him. I'm not sure about that, but she definitely would have like told the Ministry at the very least. I don't know that she would have told. Oh, I don't think she. Corrupted. She would have done something. She would have tried to take power. She would have bitch slapped Dumbledore. Yeah. This is after the one hour mark. She would have bitch slapped Dumbledore. <laughs> She'd been like, "Hey, Albus, stop." Uh, God, McGonagall. Um, and our other two characters, we kind of want to crap on. Um, which are both like pretty quick crap. Yes, quick craps. <laughs> We're our Umbridge and Bellatrix. Yes, uh, we can honestly, they're very similar in their sort of just they're just pure u- evil. Right. I think the difference is Bellatrix does it because she knows that like she's making this like fantasy world. She is so mm-hmm. infatuated with Voldemort that she's going to do whatever he she says. She has a purpose. Umbridge um, likes cats. <laughs> Umbridge is being. Umbridge is a little different in the sense she's evil, but doesn't think she is. Bellatrix is evil and knows she is. Umbridge is evil and has no idea that she is evil. She thinks she's doing the right thing. But it's it's not even it's not even that. I would say that it, she she doesn't care. She doesn't have an end goal that she's like, oh, well, I think it's she. She doesn't like uh, the sort of Muggleborns or anything like that. She likes pure wizarding lines, but she more of she isn't doing it to like create a perfect world. She doesn't have any of these things in mind. She just doesn't like them. Right. And she's just like, I'm going to get rid of them. To the fact that she, while she is sentencing them to death, her Patronus is just sort of vibing. Like just Jay chilling in the corner, <laughs> lounging, like purring. Like, the most like depressing scene, it, the, her Patronus is just like, sup, man? Yeah, it's like, hey, I'm, um, I'm vibing. Also, one thing, this is just random, a little bit of a tangent. The fact that... So many of these like pure blood followers of Voldemort are not, in fact, pure blood. Snape, Muggle parents. Mm-hmm. Well, Muggle father, Umbridge, Muggle mother, Ministry like Ministry janitor of a father. Like so many of these people who were like ride or die Voldemort supporters, are the kind of people he Voldemort himself mm-hmm. as a Muggle father. Uh, disgusting and I, I know this is obviously just like not the muggle father but like the, yeah yeah the fact that he's like oh we shall murder all muggles because my daddy did not love me mm-hmm. like sir get over your trauma <laughs> um but i guess this is a a decent place to switch over to our start to rag on jk rowling this is all gonna be quick because i think we've mentioned most of these mm-hmm. um of course we've talked before on how she kind of treats women minorities Women and minorities throughout the book. Obviously, characters like Cho Chang, um, Seamus Finnegan, Mm -hmm. the goblins, the house elves. Like, she very blatantly does not understand stereotyping. She doesn't understand stereotyping. 
she doesn't understand how to uh, like the I don't how think, not to write in stereotype. I I truly believe she needs to look at a dictionary for the word nuance because I she has no idea what it means mm-hmm. except for she thinks she knows what it means in six and she kind of does it okay uh, in some part parts but like just anything that is not an English man she doesn't really know right and there's such a lack of diversity in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like forced divert, not even forced diversity. There's just there's just genuinely a lack of it. I think we there, get there's, two, there's lack of it. two or three canonically black characters. Mm-hmm. I think Dean Thomas is canonically black. He is, and um, then Angela Johnson. It's it's just that, and that's it. Everything that the the if you look at the series like just as is seven books, extremely low. Everything that J.K. added was either in like Cursed Child or tweets. Which I'm not sure if ha ha Dumbledore is gay. It's it's it was Ma'am. it was truly added because the fans asked, "Hey, is this true?" And she said, "Uh, no. I don't know. Are there any per- repercussions? No. Yeah, sure. She it's it's not She's like, like are you suggesting these two characters are homosexuals? Yeah, no. it's 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 and we don't mean to be like we don't like that. It's it, that's not the case. It is that she only does it." For, like to it's make, fan service. It's full fan it's not, service. And it's, it's not. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and spoil the next series we're talking about. We're gonna be talking about Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson series mm-hmm. and maybe his Heroes of Olympus series as well, included in that. And Rick Riordan handles diversity completely different than J.K. Rowling does. Yes, he has some. We'll we'll dive into some of the issues he has with diversity, but he makes sh- he makes sure that there are very canonically. LGBTQ characters, there are canonically POC characters, where J.K. Rowling's character, like any sort of representation is an afterthought, if not a stereotype in the text. A prime example is Hermione. Um, of course, uh, she she cast a, a black actress as Hermione in Cursed Child because so many people fan cast Hermione as black. And like, obviously she has a lot of, like, uh, we can... I don't want to dive into all of that, like the the subtle hints. We're not going to get very lit theory on you mm-hmm. here. But because a bunch of fans were like, hey, Hermione could have been black. You never openly state that she's not. J.K. Rowling went, mm, I need points for diversity. She's going to be black, even though I never reference mm-hmm. it in the text. Um, well, also claiming that that's always what she thought. Right. Which is, it's, it's obviously it's not. not. True. You were the one because who on cast- the cover art, she's, she's white. Mm-hmm. You're, you also cast, cast Emma McGon- Watson. Yeah, yeah, Emma Watson, not McGonagall. I don't know. Why I said McGonagall that. is a well, because, <laughs> but like, and and we can even hop into how J.K. Rowling kind of treats women throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Like, as I've said this so many times, J.K. Rowling suffers from the um, not like other girls tropes. The only girl that we get that is like stereotypically a girl is is like Cho Chang, mm-hmm. um, and we just see her weeping all the time. Yes, she plays sports, but, like, that's not her first attribute. Harry is just so astounded by how pretty Cho Chang is. She cries the entire time they're together. Like, and then the only, I mean, like, Ginny is another character who at the beginning is very girly. She's the daughter, you know, the last daughter, like, the only daughter of this, like, huge family of boys. So she's very in touch with her femininity. She writes in her diary. Uh, Yeah, but also she's the hair of Slytherin, and she's the reason a bunch of people almost got dead. It just makes me mad, her treatment of women. And, of course, we see that in how Mrs. Weasley, Jenny, and Hermione all treat Fleur in the sixth book. Like we said earlier, they kind of get over it, but 
mm-hmm. still she just Hermione bullying Lavender and um and the Patel twins or the yeah what's her name yeah um for being good at divinations when that's such a like oh my gosh how could you not just believe in like the stim you know you know what really matters arithmetic you know what doesn't matter divinations ma'am you're a witch shut up magic's real it let them believe the stars are telling you what it needs to tell you mm-hmm. so yeah um and then obviously jk rowling concept of slavery is disgusting mm-hmm. the entirety of the house elves are just it's bad mm-hmm. it is bad um the fact that they're they're just so happy to serve and their their language is disgust like not obviously the, their language is not disgusting the way she uses their language to portray their stupidity is disgusting yes also, all the comments she makes about family, despite building this series up around, you know, you make your family, you know, you are better, you know, you're not better than the blood you come from, but mm-hmm. it matters more that you have friends in your life that care about you. Just for her to pull this absolute crap at the end with, well, you have to go back to your abusive family because really, you always, you know, you're always tethered to them. Mm-hmm. No! It's if your like, family's abusive, ditch them. Like, <laughs> I know you want to make, like, it's magical, and you're like, oh, you have to bring them back, these horrible people. But the, the thing is that when you make something magical like this, you're, Im- you're uh, like, unintentionally... You're, like, taking intentionally, the magic away from it. Yeah, you're taking the magic away from it, which also goes into the next thing, uh, which is that every MacGuffin doesn't need to be a MacGuffin. Like, when you want to have... This is a great example of it. When you want to have Ron come back after this whole big rant that he has in book seven, don't make him realize, like make him like look at the lighter, uh, the, 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 sorry, the deluminator that he gets from Dumbledore. The big lighter Dumbledore <laughs> gives him. Um, have him look at the deluminator and be like, you know what? I, I, I remember the importance, why I was with them. I'm, I'm being selfish. I need to go back. Don't have it go oh, I felt a little bit of a pulse in my hand and I, I knew that it was Dumbledore's magic that was telling me to go back. Like, you're ruining the... the like, magic! You're ruining the magic of the series by putting magic in its place. And it's it's so annoying. The series does this a lot. They do it with the curse on... The, the legitimate curse on the Dark Arts position. They do it with uh, the Deluminator. They do it with so many things that it doesn't need to be... It, they do with them. Some things do not need to explain. Exactly, and it's 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 annoying. From so, it doesn't make it doesn't mean as much. Once again, f- for a kids' book, but at this point near the end of the series, this is like closer to young adult, and it's right. it really is hitting people in the face where they don't need to be hit. Which, and I think this is where this kind of comes in that J.K. Rowling changes her audience without changing her writing style. Yes. Even though she consciously changes her audience to more of a YA demographic as opposed to like a like a, a kids demographic, obviously with like book four, she doesn't change her writing style hardly at all. It is still very slap you in the face with the symbolism. It's still very let's explain, let's hold your hand and walk you through it, and that's just it just doesn't stick for the what she's trying to do. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a good place to switch over. Let's talk about the things we would change about the series. Yes. And in that, we will. this is kind of where we'll be mentioning the like extended content a little bit. Because mm-hmm. obviously we learn in Cursed Child that Harry becomes a freaking horror. 
<sighs> yeah. Don't he, make him a... You set him up to be an amazing teacher, and then you make him a cop. His his entire thing is that he is trying to... like He's like, oh, I really like teaching at the uh, at Dumbledore's Army. Like, maybe I should do this. And you're like, nah, he's a, he's a cop. Be a cop. Like, it's... It's weird. It's it's a weird choice by her, which I really think that I, I will say you could make an argument that a lot of the characters should have been teachers. And I can understand from her point of view that she's like, there's so many more magical based jobs in this world. I right. want to showcase them instead of just making teacher, teacher, teacher. That right. feels lazy. Well, because and I understand that a little bit, but still well, Harry at the least. Well, I understand some characters that she makes not mm-hmm. not. Um, Teachers. teachers Hermione is mini- like in like in the Ministry of Magic specifically becoming Minister for Magic mm-hmm. amazing 10 out of 10 yeah sure I love the idea of Muggleborn Hermione crushing the Ministry making Ron a wizard a cop that's kind of cool I'm gonna be honest and then having him realize that that's not his dream he's gonna go work for his brother I dig that that's yes. a pretty solid Ron trope um, because we see him finally get the limelight and then step back from it mm-hmm. Neville being a teacher I love this. This Perfect. boy, this Perfect. boy who has been bullied all through school, becoming a teacher, ten out of ten. Jenny, pro Quidditch player, and then and then writer for the day uh, for the I almost said Daily Anathenaeum, mm. um, but for the for the Daily Prophet, amazing, immaculate. Luna Lovegood being a researcher, amazing. Harry is a cop. Harry being a cop. BS. I call no, BS on no. your it cop doesn't, Harry. It doesn't. It doesn't track for it his character. It doesn't fit him. The also, only explanation is. He has a good sense. He has a strong sense of good. You know what he's better at? He had a strong sense of wanting to be a teacher. He oh was, my gosh! Yes. He was like, "Wow, I'm really good at this. I'm able to like help these people out." And people were like, "Wow, you're really good at this. You're able to actually teach us spells other than these other teachers." It feels like it was set up for him. Even that, like the other thing, it would have made sense if he thematically. Put, yeah, thematically, he's constantly compared to Voldemort. Co- 2470 he compared to Voldemort. Voldemort is denied the defense against Dark Arts uh, position. Harry breaks the curse and becomes the defense against Dark Arts Would professor. Also, that adds on to this analogy of Harry and Neville being so close of characters that a single choice is the only thing that separates them. Yes. Show that their lives are, are pretty similar. Yes. Making them both teachers at Hogwarts amazing yes but then jk rowling said make him a cop you could have also done a much cooler epilogue like i liked the there at the train scene yeah that's kind of sweet i I thought it was sweet but you also could have been like hey see you there Uh, like like yeah uh, like something quirky i'll see you you there it's like oh i see you got i see you got (gasps) neville on your i I see you got mr longbottom say hi to him for me or like i would love for like harry to pull a loop in and be like Okay, I'm gonna ride on your compartment in your compartment with you, Albus. <laughs> and then Albus Severus just being there, like, Dad, no. And he's like, Ha ha, yes. <sighs> also, okay, Harry shouldn't be able to name his kids. I do no, like Albus Severus is bad. I will give the the duality of it. I understand. I don't want to understand. I think no. this. I think this is more of J.K. Rowling trying to explain why she did it a little bit later. I think the identity of Albus Severus having this this Gryffindor and, and the Slytherin naming system. Mm-hmm sets up the pretty good dichotomy yeah and it sets up the good kind of this like internal struggle that we see albus have in cursed child which we take or not as canon it's bad but i do that's the one thing i do like i like the fact that albus severus is canonically a slytherin Mm -hmm. i love the fact that his names are you know challenging this idea that not every good guy has to be in gryffindor 
However, Regulus was a Slytherin. Draco, uh, Draco would have been a superior name to Severus. I'm yeah. going to be honest. But like Regulus, you know, Sirius's good Slytherin brother who turned the tide, you know, without Regulus, mm-hmm. Harry would have never, I mean, he would have defeated Voldemort, but Regulus got the leg up, you know, kind of thing. And I, I think that's another thing that makes me very mad about the series. There are no good Slytherins with the exception of Snape. And then kind of Regulus. And, but yeah. that's, but oh, Regulus that's really is, in the end. And it's, I mean, other than the like throwaway line about the fact that how different Regulus and Sirius were. You know? Yeah, it's... it's it's. We needed good... We needed not redemption arc Slytherins. We needed good Slytherins that were friends with the trio in the beginning. Yeah, we needed we needed more build on the on the different groups. Like, like, like I said earlier... She most likely did that so she could give people easy characterization, but she don't have much of an excuse after second, maybe third book of that. But she still breaks that with Neville specifically. Mm -hmm. Here's this very dorky, very frumpy kid Mm -hmm. who's bad at everything. She breaks it with Hermione. so shy and puts him in in Gryffindor, the house of the loud, house of the brave, and yet again with Hermione, who is just technically smart, but puts her in, in Gryffindor, not the smart house. I just it it's, makes me mad. It's it's annoying, and this is uh, oh my gosh, or Jenny, who is so just. This is the girl that stole the brooms out of like out from underneath her brother's noses mm-hmm. to get better at a sport that she wouldn't have technically that she could have played, but they didn't let her play. Mm-hmm. That is a Slytherin in the making. Yeah, Percy Weasley, as crappy as he is, would have made a bomb Slytherin. The the I mean, you could even argue that the twins, the twins are so they're entrepreneurs. They mm-hmm. are. Anyhow, that's a whole it's, There definitely should have been good Slytherins, even if it was a subtle Hannah Abbott being a good Slytherin mm-hmm. or one member of the DA being a Slytherin. Yeah. I think it would have made all the difference. It is it is wild how hard she sticks to like the, the Slytherins are bad. Even just like the the groups in general, just how completely one note a lot of them are, except for Gryffindor. Gryffindor. And this well, leads into mine. Yeah. I would change it to be that he's got a friend from each house. If you're going to give him, if you're going to have a trio and then one basically main kid antagonist, that's four right there. You got four houses. Make Hermione Ravenclaw. Make Ron Hufflepuff. Then keep Draco as Slytherin that eventually turns and right. make Harry, uh, make Harry Gryffindor still. Or I would even love this yet again to go back with Jenny Weasley should have been a Slytherin. Just saying. But, like, have him fall in love with a Slytherin. Have, oh, my gosh, the plot line she could have set up with Ginny being Slytherin and, like, her attachment to Sirius and the fact that Sirius is the exact opposite of Ginny mm-hmm. in this, you know, this Gryffindor coming from a traditionally Slytherin family and having Ginny come from a traditionally Gryffindor family. Um, and it just, it would set up so well with Harry falling in love with her. Showing, look, not all Slytherins are bad guys. Ginny Weasley, amazing. Could you know? Yes, she could kill a man, but she would only do it because she needed to. Mm-hmm. She is just, in fact, amazing. It's, it is a real shame that she sets up this cool. Like, I, I don't want to say that say that houses are cool, but I think that it is. It's a, it's a unique concept to like categorize these things and then break the mold of it instantly. She sets it up to like be able to do that. But then she just kind of keeps doesn't. it in there. Yeah, she doesn't, and they're just stagnant in these holes. Which goes right back to, like you'd said, like 
the Hufflepuffs are so you like unanimous. Mm-hmm. They are literally could be lumped into one character. Yeah. Same thing. One with character the, plus Cedric. Right. And like even the Ravenclaws, the same way. Like, yeah, we kind of see two different sides of the coin with Cho and with, with Luna. Mm-hmm. But still, they're both still wise, you know. It just right. kind of makes me mad. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so much room. I guess. I think that covers everything. And I think we are now on to our... Our MVPs and our LVPs for this Alrighty. last last Harry Potter episode. Okay. So we have individuals, and then we have an o, uh, like like the overall series one. Yes. So um, do we go? I think we go individual first, and then overall. Yes. Do you want to do your MVP first? I will. My MVP is Minerva McGonagall. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her. She is amazing. She is the one teacher, with the exception of Remus Lupin, um, who s- kind of cares for Harry. She cares more about his education than this like Godforsaken prophecy. She, Harry is not a soldier. He is still a kid. She's doing everything she can to teach him, doing everything she can to defend him. Yeah, she gives him just a little bit of leeway, obviously, but the quid, she gives him leeway not because he's Harry Potter, but because it's Harry Potter, this amazing seeker. Mm. (laughs) Harry Potter, the kid who's not afraid to speak his mind. Harry Potter, the kid who tells Umbridge to suck it. Um, That's when we see McGonagall kind of like show a little bit of biasy. But this woman also takes four Cruciatus curses to the back and walk like returns like mm-hmm. unscathed. She's like, "All right, listen here." Also, it's the one person in Harry, the one person in Harry's life that he is able to crucio somebody for. Mm-hmm. Granted, there's probably other people, but the the Caro the Caro sibling like cursing out McGonagall and him just like. Oh, nope. Now I understand what Bellatrex meant. Mm-hmm. meant. I do need to really feel this to get mad. And it's McGonagall that triggers that. And mm-hmm. I just love the poise that she exhibits throughout the entirety of the series. Her just, after Dumbledore's death, she realizes that she will have time to grieve that isn't now. She puts on this mask, straightens her back, and goes, okay, time for some decision making. I'm in control. Let's do this. Let's fix this. Also, she doesn't take Umbridge's crap, which is, like, amazing, too. Mm-hmm. I just love McGonagall. I could host a whole, a whole episode about why McGonagall is amazing. And to you, your MVP. Uh, my MVP is going to be Draco Malfoy. Uh, we've talked Hot a lot. take. We've talked about uh, a lot about him here. I think that not only is he in, integral to the story, uh, but he's he's a, he's a good character. He's an interesting character. Do I think that he, he could have been better? Yeah, I, 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 I truly do. I think that there could have been a lot more development on him. Um, and I, I wouldn't say he's my favorite character, but I do think he's really important to the story and if done a little bit better, would have been a rival for my favorite. Yeah, same. I agree there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'll go my LVP. Mm-hmm. It's not Petunia. Little, I don't know. That's not necessarily a hot take. It's not a hot take. No, but it's it's definitely not one of the main ones that I think people would have went with. Mm-hmm. Aunt Petunia consciously abuses this child. Um, this is her dead sister's li- only the only remnants of her sister mm-hmm. that she has is this boy. You think she would care just a little bit more for him than mm-hmm. she does? It takes Dumbledore's letter for her to even allow him to stay in her home. It takes, she just, man, I just, it makes me so mad. She could have given this kid, not the world, treat him different. You shouldn't, first off, a you shouldn't. A normal life. You, for, you shouldn't treat him different from your own child, but I understand. I, I, I get it. I don't understand it, but I get it. However, don't keep him locked under the staircase for 11 <laughs> years. 
It's that's so cartoonishly le- evil. Right. That is legitimately child abuse. Mm-hmm. Like, CPS never rolled in and was like, hey, this boy's living in the stairwell while your other ki- while your kid has two bedrooms upstairs. This isn't your this isn't your servant. He is a child. Mm-hmm. You buy him a pair of, buy him some clothes. Don't give him hand-me-downs from your kid. Don't get me wrong. Hand-me-downs are a little different. However, not this kid's the same age as your kid. Not only the same age, but he's also like significantly smaller. Yes. Harry is a twig because they kind of they barely, starve him. They barely feed him. Uh, and Dudley is she, not. She excuses Burden's blatant abuse of this child. Mm-hmm. She excuses Aunt Marge's blatant abuse of this child. Mm-hmm. She should have challenged that. As a mother, she should have challenged that, and she didn't. Yet again, I really think Lily Evans, like Lily Potter, is sitting up in, in the afterlife. Like, come on, Petunia. Come on up here, honey. Let's go. So that's my LVP. And to you. My LVP. I know I made a joke about him earlier. My LVP is Filch. Um, <laughs> I don't think we've actually, I don't think we've ever actually talked about Filch. Not really. Uh, we talked about him a little bit when he was like setting off those like security measures or whatever that we thought were a little creepy. Oh, yeah, because he was prod. Mm-hmm. He has very little to do with the series for being... A pro- I don't want to say prominent, but if if you name frequently s- mentioned, frequently mentioned, and like I feel like most people at the very least know of his character. He he's, gets more book time than Charlie Weasley. Yeah, he's he's a he's just the sort of groundskeeper character. He's got a cat. Uh, I can't remember the cat's name. Mrs. Felch. Yes. Wait, huh? No. Oh no, Miss Norris. Okay. <laughs> I was oh, my you my scared my me. joke was going to be that like him and that cat mm-hmm. have just like a. Just like, uh, what's his uh, face? Slughorn and the goat? Yes, or, yes. Or Aberforth and Aberforth the goat. Aberforth and the goat. Sorry. Yes. Um, But, yes, he's just, he's kind of, he's a nothing character that I, I think that should not have gotten as much screen time as, as he could have. His his role could have been easily replaced by Hagrid and had Hagrid a little bit more sort of involved in student life. I, I think it's fine him being there, but he is... He's nothing to the series, and I I don't think that it's he's worth being there really. And I guess this is time to move to our our overarching MVP and LVP. You guys should know which what this is going to be. All right, it's uh, MVP Neville, Neville Longbottom. Longbottom. <laughs> Specifically, the Neville Longbottom of books five through seven. Yeah. Oh my god. He is. This is the. This is the rest of our gushing here. Right. He. He is. He is set up to be sort of a, a parallel to Harry. Right. He. He has gone through all this trauma and stuff. He visits his his parents constantly in the hospital, and his 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 mother who is uh, who's sort of lost her mind a little bit keeps giving uh, him these like these uh, little wrappers for candies, and he has kept. Every single one of them. It's it's heartbreaking. It is. And yet he still comes. He still like oh, he still grows into this mm-hmm. beautiful and amazing and like absolutely kick ass yeah. character. And despite the constant abuse that he got during classes, he is able to make himself a good wizard by going to Harry. And he's he is like truly showing that if you if you think that you're not that good at school. It might just be the teachers, or it might be because you're not learning a subject that you find important. It puts you into these boxes that education 
is about finding what you like and how you need to learn this. And even for like these essential things that if you go about it the right way, you can either make it interesting or at the very least easier for you to understand and grasp. And he's, he's great for that. That's his, his entire thing. And not only that, he is tortured Straight up, yeah, oh my gosh. He is crucioed multiple times by the woman who was single-handedly responsible for his parents' insanity. He is tortured by his teachers, his seventh year. He is, Voldemort himself puts a flaming hat on the boy's head, and he still turns around, decapitates the snake, and cheers on Harry to end Voldemort. I... That's a power move at the very least. But, like, Neville Longbottom is still, like... He drinks that respect woman juice. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, like, I, I adore Neville so much just because it's proof that you don't have to be classically smart to still be brilliant, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, he, I'm trying to think what I wanted to say here. Because in, in the last three books, or yeah, in five, six, and seven, we see him really just grow into the kind of character that stops kind of stops taking crap but still is a good person Mm -hmm. you know and in in the seventh book we see that he is purposely taking more torture from the caro siblings to prevent kid the younger kids from having to do it Mm -hmm. he is leading student revolutions he is ready to single-handedly fight anybody who says ill will about harry potter He's Neville Longbottom's the best. He he's great. This is a Neville Stan account. Fight me. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our hate account. <laughs> right, our biggest hate account that we've mentioned so many times is Snape. Severus Snape. At least we can. Okay, we can justify Dumbledore's manipulation. We can't. Uh, we don't want. We don't want to. We but understand We understand where why. he was coming from. It, it doesn't was stick steely, the landing. Yeah, it was still a bad move. However, Severus Snape. Sir, you cannot torture your students as a teacher. Hot, 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 hot take. take. Don't, don't abuse children. Hot take. Don't be like, hey, Harry, it's my dying wish to see your mother. Can you look into my eyes? It's, Disgusting. it's such a weird thing to also, say. Also, the fact he is obsessed with this dead married woman. Yeah, it's weird. And like, it just... I can understand if they were here's here's kind of jumping back into our like if we would write things differently if you must uh, like make Snape doable one lessen the bull oh. crap of like torturing students right. two make it so like he make it so like everybody bullied Snape and the one person who didn't and tried to be nice was, was Lily. Lily. That don't make him a wizarding Nazi. Yeah, don't make him a wizarding Nazi for sure. That's the other thing. Don't make him the only reason. The only reason he goes to the good side is because the wizarding Hitler is going to kill the girl he's in love with. And he's like, oh shucks, I didn't mean for that one to have. That's oh no, oh beans. That's sad. <laughs> like, I just I there is no there is no redemption arc good enough for a character like Severus Snape. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um. The biggest thing, don't abuse your students. Don't abuse, don't be a freaking Nazi, I guess. That's the takeaway from this week's episode. Don't be a freaking Nazi. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I think that's, do you have anything you want to add about Snape? Um. No, not really. That's about it. We've talked about it enough. Yeah, we, we really hate Snape. <laughs> um, this is a Snape hate account. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah. 
thank you guys for sort of sticking uh, sticking with us through yes. this sort of uh, this seven book adventure here. <laughs> and um, we're getting ready to embark on a new five to ten book yes. adventure. Yes, we we mentioned earlier. Uh, we are going to be uh, next doing Percy Jackson, starting mm-hmm. with Percy Jackson, the Lightning Thief. Uh, Haley likes these books a lot. She oh has my read gosh, all of them. This was my emotional support book as a kid. <laughs> I haven't read a single one. I've right. seen a quarter of like the first movie, which doesn't count as bad. Yes. <laughs> um. I if it if it helps, I once played Percy Jackson on uh, like on the playground in like second or third grade. <laughs> uh, I didn't understand any of it. But I was a I was like a satyr guy. I oh, thought it was gosh. fun. Um, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so much fun. It's uh, gonna be yeah. a little little different. It's it's gonna be a little bit different. This is gonna be it's gonna be a little bit more basic, uh, with Haley jumping in and me trying to take my sort of like giving my first views on the series. Right. I'm st- we are still going to be analyzing it, and I'm still gonna be talking about the themes and the characters and like their right. arcs and stuff. But there's going to be a lot less like foresight into things at right. the very least because i don't want it to be sort of spoiled for me but there's right. probably gonna be i mean we we're gonna help try yeah. to keep it as spoiler free i also have the memory of a goldfish so like you <laughs> you can tell me that like tom riddle shows up in this one too and i'll probably forget you really are right <laughs> um but yeah i'm super excited this is like i said this is probably one of my favorite book series as a kid as a lovely little dyslexic child this was like <laughs> the, the like the crap um so this will be this is going to be a new experience with like I said with the fact that Brett has never read these is yeah. going to gonna be a little different. So it'll be fun though. Um, so we of course encourage you guys to read along with us or at least listen to our ramblings. Um, but with that, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. Yeah. See ya. have been listening to The Classroom, a U92 production. Feel free to tune in to our parent station, 91.7 FM of Morgantown, West Virginia. There will be a new episode of The Classroom live on U92 every Friday at 11 a.m. If you are out of our terrestrial reach, feel free to stream U92 at u92themoose.com. Easy enough. On our homepage, not only will you be able to stream new alternative music, but you would also be able to quickly find our podcast and many other great ones produced by some of our friends at U92. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you soon.